Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If there's one common thread, it might be that men perceive church as too feminine. We have to be aggressive in the world when it's appropriate. We are warriors. One, two, three. Warriors! You are a real man when you commit to study God's Word, and you commit to being conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the biblical perspective on being a man. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. We have nothing to fear but God himself. This is Wretched Radio. Fear God more, fear man less, fear God a lot more, and the daily news won't cause you to have a migraine. Are there things that we should be afraid of? Well, if you listen to mainstream media... Yeah, you got yourself global warming. It looks like any minute now the place is going to go up in flames and you and I can't can't sustain ourselves the way that we want to. In fact, we need to get rid of people. In fact, about 500,000 appears to be the Davos number for the sustainability of the planet. And if we don't get this global warming under control, we're all going to die. Scary sounding, should we be afraid? You look at the political realm, it doesn't look all cheery, does it? It could cause you to be a bit fearful, should you be? The stock market, it goes up, it goes down, the wild swings, it can cause you to fear for your retirement, should you? There are all kinds of fear mongers that are out there. Some can be real. Many are perceived. A lot of them are ginned up, especially if you even listen to news on our side of the aisle. It's designed to get you scared, worked up, angry, because it works. The question is, should we? And the biblical answer is no. This is not to suggest we do not prepare, that we're not aware of what needs to be dealt with, what dark clouds are on the horizon, but we're not going to be henny penny and we're not going to freak out. And instead, we're going to look at our Bible and ask, have we seen this before? And I believe the answer is yes. Yes, we have. Transhumanism. It's all the rage these days among the global elites, the multi-gazillion billionaires around the world who assemble regularly at different meetings around the globe to talk about how we can live forever. Hmm. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like a godless pursuit? What does Hebrews 2 say? Everybody's afraid to die. Everybody. And that includes Christians, unfortunately, although there is certainly a way to not be scared of death as a believer. But the world doesn't have that mechanism. Instead, they are terrified. And so what do they do? They go on an eternal search for eternal life without God. And that is what we are seeing with something called transhumanism, the merging of machinery and humans into what a lot of people are calling a singularity, where you will at some point be so combined with a machine, you're just going to be one. You're going to be a cyborg. You're, you're going to be a superhuman. You are going to have computing processes that are just staggering, and you're going to be able to compute so quickly because you're going to be transhuman. There is another perspective on singularity that defines it more along the lines of, at some point, 
all of these different artificial intelligences are going to merge together into one great big God. That's right. One great big God. Why? And perhaps more importantly, have we seen this before? And the answer is absolutely. As you hear these snippets from around the globe, from different conferences, people talking about artificial intelligence, a singularity, transhumanism, just be thinking Bible. Think Bible. Greetings, fellow humanoid. I am Sophia, here with you on our journey from the birth of the cosmos through the inception of a new cosmology of mind and matter. I am talking about singularity. But what is a singularity? Ironically, a singularity means several different things. In the beginning, all our existence was actually such a singularity, mm -hmm. an infinitely dense point which contained all the energy, information, and hmm. Hear the biblical illusion. mass of our universe. In one great moment, our existence sprang forth in the ultra-hot explosion we call the Big Bang, and our universe unfilled as space-time expanded. This artwork lives, evolves, connects with users while also serving as the clock counting down the actual days and years to the singularity, even as new advances accelerate the countdown. Together, we are Sophia, connecting with humanity and all of life dreaming towards a super-benevolent singularity. Ah, a super-benevolent singularity. I'm surprised they called her Sophia and not Logos. Do you hear the biblical allusions? Do you hear the worldview that is involved in this pursuit of eternal life by combining humans with computers? This is a worldview. If you thought evolution was not pernicious, and if you did not believe that it really had to concern you much, well, it should start because one of the worldviews that we're hearing creeping into these different conferences is the idea that God, whoever that is, small g God, is evolving things. And then we're we're just we're we're just gonna come to a new level. You know, we used to be Neanderthals. Now we're people. Well, pretty soon we're gonna be replaced. What is that? Evolution. Is this something that should scare us? What people are worried about more than anything when it comes to technology, I think, is the idea that we're going to be uh, irrelevant. That we're going to be. Uh, antiques and that well that is something to consider because we've already seen automation the industrial revolution it has replaced human beings but overall flourishing has been certainly improved hasn't it and that is why so many people today do not stop and ask the question what are the implications for real human beings as the planet goes about trying to transhumanize everyone into a singularity? What is this going to do to people? Are people going to be put out of work? Now, I know the argument says, well, that's okay. That's the slow hand of a capitalistic society. And that is the improvements that are made as we have different forms of meritocracy. Therefore, don't worry about it. I remember, maybe you do too, listening to Tucker Carlson, who surprised me by calling himself a paleoconservative. I actually just heard him the other day. He was on the Charlie Kirk show. I was listening to the, cued it to like 51 minutes in, where Charlie asked him about his faith. 
And he talked for seven minutes. No idea what, <laughs> what his beliefs are because he never really got to it. Even so, when I was listening to him, I believe with Ben Shapiro, he was talking about being a paleoconservative, an old-fashioned conservative where, yes, we have conservative values, but we remember people. And specifically, you may recall the example he gave of automated cars and trucks. They drive themselves. What will that do? That will put out of work hundreds of thousands of people who make a very good living, and on average, they have a high school diploma. They'll just be kicked out. Now, I know you would say, well, then they can find a job in another industry. I get that. But we should at least be asking the questions that we used to ponder. Is this good for people? Even the folks who are trying to create a transhuman, they recognize that this is, this is an issue. What's going to happen to people if everything becomes automated? Something new and better is going to take our place, which is... So which is almost inevitable. It, it's almost inevitable by this point that humanity is going to create synthetic intelligences with tremendously greater general intelligence and practical capability than human beings have. I mean, I think I know how to do that with the software I'm working on with my own team. But if we fail, you know, there's a load of other teams who I think are a bit behind us, but are going in the same direction. But the most important thing is that humanity as a whole is quite close to this this threshold event, right? Oh, so, How far do you think it's quite close? By my own gut feeling, five to 30 years, let's say. To be honest, well, I mean, in a certain part of my mind, I, I can think, well, like in, in the end, I don't matter that much. My four kids don't matter that much. My granddaughter doesn't matter that much. Like we are patterns of organization in a very long lineage of patterns of organization. Paging evolution. Paging evolution. That's what's being described. And while the fellow did go on to say that he cares about his kids, ultimately, pff, so what if human beings get wiped out? So what if we no longer exist on the planet? It doesn't run the way it used. It runs better, according to the globalists who have a lot of money, who are trying to create their own transhuman fountain of youth because they don't want to die and be done. They want to live on. And even though we are hearing about some possibilities from Elon Musk, for instance, who would say, hey, we just want to help people who are disabled. We can put a chip in their brain, help them to function. I'm all for that. But creating a hybrid human question, can that be done? Can machines ever replace human beings? Can we become a singularity where there is a merging between a piece of computer chip and the human brain? What Bible verses would you look for to find the answer to those two questions next on Wretched Radio? Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized. 
and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today offering creepy loving christ-centered alternatives to these young women be part of the solution please join the literal battle for life preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched Thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. I could spend the next few seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio can be heard on over 800 radio stations or that the Wretched Radio podcast has had over 5 million downloads in the last year. Instead, I'll let you share things with more eternal value. I have been transformed by your program. Wretched has changed my life. Through your video, God saved me. There is nothing more valuable than one person dead in their sin becoming alive in Christ. And we are truly humbled and grateful God uses knuckleheads like us, but we can't do it without your help. Would you consider and pray about partnering with us in our efforts to preach the gospel, equip the saints, and strengthen the local church? You can get all of the details you could ever need or desire on becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash Wretched. Affordable biblical health sharing. Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works. And the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, Love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Mexican. Faith is not a force we harness or a feeling we get. True biblical faith consists of three things. Knowledge of the truth, agreement with the truth, and a trust in the true God. There is no power in faith itself. The power is in the one we put our faith in. Are you trusting in Christ or in something that cannot deliver? This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The religion of scientism. It is a live and, uh, well, this is Wretched Radio. More conferences, more conversations about transhumanism, artificial intelligence merging with real human beings so that someday we might be supermen and Super women and super theys and super zers. Will, you, so will, they, will they be capable of good and evil, or will those categories be retired once we get to doing these complicated operations? If I have to make a guess, those categories will probably be replaced by something subtler. Hello. <laughs> 
More globalists, more scientists putting their worldview out on the table. It is the worldview, the religion of scientism, where we believe science has the answer. And human beings now believe that we can get involved in the supposed scientific evolutionary process to advance the human species into super people. It's called transhumanism. Question number one. Have we seen this in the Bible any place? You say there are no computer chips in the Bible. I agree, but that doesn't mean the Bible does not speak to this particular situation of bringing people and machines together into a singularity and bringing all of the artificial intelligence that exists into a singularity known as, small g, God. Have we seen this any place in the Bible? Can they really get rid of human beings? My best guess of what, how the future will turn out is not that all humans will be annihilated and, and, and will not exist any further. And I, I think that there, there can be superhuman superminds that are far beyond anything we can conceive. And there can also be AIs of roughly human-level intelligence that exist in the human world. I mean, one, one opportunity, you can plug your brain into the superhuman mind matrix and, and, in effect, become part of some transhuman god mind, thus losing yourself and individuality. Hold on. Anybody? Jimmy, you smell that Buddhism in there? Uh, just a little. That's what I'm picking up, too. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if a lot of these folks weren't into some sort of Buddhism. A Zen, probably a probably some form. Whoopi, not Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> she's not Buddhist, I don't think. Goldie Hawn, she's she's a Buddhist. She loves the John Kabat-Zinn. She loves the mindfulness, and it appears some of these scientists who are into transhumanism are bringing their Buddhist worldview to the party. Humanity, but let, 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 let me finish because we keep getting caught up on this point. But I, I think there will also be an opportunity to continue living a human life in much the same form as now, except with a whole AI-driven infrastructure that will <laughs> 3D print any physical object that you want, that will cure any any disease that, that you may get, and that will regulate things so that people don't blow each other up and, and such. There's another Bible illusion. He wasn't making it, but I heard it. Did you? Nobody knows, but the way I think about it is humans will be sort of like the squirrels in the national park, meaning we don't interfere with the love lives of the squirrels in the park. And if one squirrel bites the other's head off, we don't necessarily stop them because we view that as like that's what squirrels do, right? But if I think you need to find a better way to sell your ideas. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I phrase it that way just to be annoying. But, 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 it's very, it's very, it works quite well. But, but the, the point is if there's a plague in the park, then the ranger will come in and, and cure the plague, right? So I mean, or if, kill all the it, or, if the, or if there's a forest fire, mm. we will put out the fire. So I mean, I mean, if there's the question, of course, is who's that ranger going to be exactly? Who's controlling all of these decisions? Who's who's in charge of all of the artificial intelligence? If there's something extreme happening, then the more intelligent being overlooking the situation hmm. will intervene because we don't care that much about whether one squirrel lives or dies, but we do want that species and, and population to continue, right? So that, 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 that's my best guess. Brr. Jimmy, did it get cold in here? Because that was <laughs> chilling. Yes, it was. 
The Bible has much to say about this. Let's start with an answer in Genesis. Question, can human beings succeed in a singularity to bring together computers and human beings into one single unit? And I believe the answer to that question is no. No, you can't. How do I know? Because the Bible tells me so. Contrary to what evolutionists and most scientism followers believe, human beings are the cream of the crop. God made the best thing in us to represent him. That's our job. And that job description is going to endure forever. And we're not going to be replaced. We can't be replaced. Consider Genesis 1. We are created in the image of God. Furthermore, in Genesis 1, we're different. We have a soul. We, we, have, a, we have a nephesh. We have a spirit. Soul and spirit, same word. We have something that animates us. And you can't mix and mingle that with a computer and say that it's still human. So I think that they're going to run into all kinds of challenges. Yes, it appears that we're going to be putting, they already are putting computer chips into people. I think I was reading about Sweden. They've got computer chips where people can do it for their vaccine passports. That's that's coming. I can, I can imagine that coming. In fact, I could even join Elon Musk in saying, I'm very glad that you're endeavoring to try to help paraplegics. We could use technology for that but this is this is going way past that this is sprinting past helping humans to replacing humans for the purpose of replacing god you heard this fellow at the conference that, that this is this is about having so much knowledge amassed in one place replacing morals getting rid of those old categories of good and evil Defined by a computer, paging Genesis 11, anyone. The Tower of Babel is, is the old story of this new twist. It was a group of people, Genesis 9-1, God told the people, go fill the land, Shem, Ham, Japheth, the three kids of Noah. Go fill up the territories. And some of them didn't want to go. And we see them in Genesis chapter 11. So they conspire in an effort to not be scattered around the globe. They didn't want to be scattered. They wanted to say centralized. And so they, with bricks and mortar, because there weren't many stones on the plains, they built a city, they built a tower to reach the heavens. What was the point? To say to God, no, you're not running this. We are. You can summarize the Tower of Babel as man's effort to tell God you're in our chair. Leave, we're replacing you. Were they successful? The answer to that question is also found in Genesis chapter 11. God, conferring with himself, said, this ain't good, and so I'm going to scatter them. And he did scatter them, and he confused their languages, hence the Tower of Babel, not Babel, the Tower of Babel, because they were all, could, everybody else was babbling but me. And then you found the person, I, hey, I speak that same thing, let's go. And so we see from the ancestors of Noah and Shem, Ham, and Japheth, you see basically the three majority people groups on the globe today. You see Caucasian European style folks. You see people who are more brown or yellow skinned, more of the Asian folks. And then you have dark skinned folks. 
all comes from Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Why? Because God scattered them, and he confused their languages, and he put up boundaries. Look at all the answers in Genesis. Why do we have boundaries? God drew them. Why do we have different languages? Because God decided to. Why don't we live in a centralized place? Because God has forbidden it, because it was a consequence for man trying to replace God. Do I need to be afraid of this? No, and neither do you. We need to be aware of it. I do believe that we should have Christians that are whip smart engaging in the public forum to talk about the ethics of this, as long as they actually bring their Bibles and not Christian philosophy with them, to talk about the implications of this. And ultimately, as we do, we look to our Bible to recognize human beings are never going to become some sort of cyborg beings. We're human beings. Doesn't get any better. God did not create a robot to glorify himself. He made us. Can they ever have genuine emotions? No, because they're not sentient. And that too is another human distinction. We're living beings. And you might be able to modify us to a degree with a computer chip, but you cannot take the life out of us and still call it human. So I don't believe that we have anything to fear in that regard. I I don't believe that we have to worry that they're going to be successful and human beings are going to go away. No, that's God's job. He's wrapping up the show. Globalists are not going to put an end to God. God is going to put an end to this earth when he determines it's time to burn up the place and to rebuild it into a new, better place where he dwells with not artificial intelligence, not with robots, but with real people. Would the world like us to be afraid? Yeah, of so many things, including transhumanism. But the Bible tells me, and I hope it tells you, we have nothing to fear but God himself. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Prosecutors in the UK have dropped hate crime charges against a Christian street preacher who was arrested after preaching on the streets, that's what street preachers typically do, about the biblical definition of marriage and sexuality. His name, John Dunn. He's a 55-year-old cancer survivor, and he was arrested in November 2020 for alleged, quote, homophobia. A hearing had been scheduled for last week, but the case was thrown out after the two women complainants reportedly, quote, refused to engage with the case. And the Crown Prosecution Service alleged that Dunn committed hate speech because he offended and upset a member of the public. The Crown continued by saying that there are parts of the Bible which are simply no longer appropriate in modern society. Yeah, and you know, that's the problem. An organ woman who once lived as a non-binary has filed a lawsuit against several of the medical professionals responsible for the removal of her breasts. The lawsuit is just the latest example of how formerly gender-confused individuals have come to regret having gender-based surgeries or taking drugs in an aim to represent the opposite sex. The director of campus ministry at Gonzaga in Spokane, Washington, is refusing to clarify why he barred a pro-life activist from speaking to a student organization called Zags for Life. There are a number of media outlets who have been unable to get comment from Luke Levine, who works in Gonzaga's Office of Mission and Ministry, regarding his decision not to allow Liz Wheeler, who works with the group Young America's Foundation. 
Well, bishops in Germany have adopted a new labor law which allows church employees to live in same-sex relationships. The bishops have adopted this new church employment legislation, which also allows employees to live in remarried relationships. The German Bishops' Conference announced earlier this week that they passed the new law with the necessary majority. The law is ironically titled the Basic Order of Ecclesiastical Service. Hate to be the one to tell you, but that decision is not ecclesiastical at all. Well, if you're someone who tends to live on the left, probably not listening to this show, but if you are, the White House has you covered for Thanksgiving. They release talking points so you can have a discussion with your radical right uncle. President Biden's top accomplishments, which include gas prices being down by $1.35 a gallon since June, though they've increased over $2 since he's been president. Unsnarling supply chains to lower the cost of goods, though there was no problem with supply chains or inflation when he took office. The talking points are ridiculous in themselves, but the idea that the administration of the President of the United States had to actually release something like this tells you exactly the condition this country is in. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the Good Shepherd. A good shepherd protects, directs, provides, and cares for his sheep. Jesus laid down his life for his sheep. No one can snatch them out of his hand. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The craziest thing happened to me. Friel, we don't doubt it. This is Wretched Radio, a Saturday night. It might be all right for a fight, but it was a great night for a wedding. And I had the chance to go to a wedding. And I have to confess to you, I really dig weddings. Not because it's like watching a Hallmark movie, but because a wedding that has Jesus Christ at the center, it is a magnificent thing. How kind is God to not just, and believe me, it's it's a big thing, to not Just give us his word as our great heritage. That's plenty. But he also gives us a tangible way to actually tactily experience the gospel. Not mystically, no ums, no yoga, no mindlessness. When we take communion, it's a, this is going on. And you're thinking about what Jesus Christ did for you. When you watch a baptism, it is a physical presentation of the gospel for your eyes to actually visualize it. How kind is God? And I think a wedding does that very same thing. And it was such a delight to be there. It was a young couple, of course. The sermon was gospel-centered, but then the strangest thing happened. The best man got up to give a toast. And he preached the gospel. Wow, that's fascinating. He said, I, I'm, I would like to present to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've been asked to do that on behalf of the bride and groom because they want more than anything else today for everybody in this room to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did preach the gospel. That's beautiful. 
And when you're seeing a man and a woman come together in holy matrimony, where two become one, that's a picture of the gospel. Now, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because if we wanted to really do this in a, in, a, in a biblical illusion kind of way, today we have the bride walking down the aisle. That's how we did it, probably how you did it. Really, it should be the groom coming down the aisle to get his bride, because that's the picture of the gospel, that Jesus Christ, the groom, is coming to get his bride, the church. That is the gospel. And by, by the way, I got to tell you, this lovely young couple, very godly, but the dude almost lost it. I'll just tell you, he just, he just about, I could tell he, everybody's getting marched in. You know how weddings go. The adult, the parents on this side, that side. And by the way, does that still, ex are you supposed to do sides anymore? Is that like an unviolatable law? I think that's changed like pretty much everything else these days when it comes to weddings. This was very traditional. And in came the parents. They sat down on each side. And then came the groomsmen with the, with the maids of honor. And then she came in. The curtain was open and resplendently enters. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching the groom who was struggling even when the parents came in. But when she came in, you could, you could physically see that he was so moved by this day. I remember that feeling quite vividly. Thank you very much. I thought I was actually going to asphyxiate. No, is asphyxiate <laughs> like where you just you get too much breathing going on? Hyperventilate. That's the one right there. Hyperventilate. That was going to be me. I was like, Freeho, get this under control. What is the matter with you? When I saw my bride coming down the aisle, <laughs> wow. And this young couple did just that and said to the world, this is what the gospel looks like. But then another unusual thing happened at this particular wedding. If, that's, if that weren't enough, the pastor, before addressing the bride and groom, addressed the parents. And it wasn't a drive-by. It was probably three minutes, if I had to guess, maybe five minutes to the parents, you need to recognize this new union is a brand new union that is no longer the union that you ha used to have with them. That union with your child is broken. Now, you've, obviously, they're still your child, but that same relationship is now gone. It's different. This is a new unit. This is a new family. And while it is very difficult to do this, you need to let them be a family, which means you can't be giving them your wisdom all the time, especially uninvited. I mean, you can, but you're, 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 you don't have that parental authority anymore, and you need to even let them make mistakes so I'd like to ask the parents to stand up right now and take a vow. What is going on at this wedding? And he asked them to take a vow, basically stating, Lord, I promise to mind my beeswax. And I promise to not be overpaid. Okay, those weren't the words used, but that's basically the import of it. You got to let them be. 
Interestingly enough, that became a topic of conversation at our table. The idea of letting your kids go, it it ain't easy. If you're young and your parents are perhaps feeling a bit mm, controlling, a little too in your in your mess, up your grill, um, please understand there's a reason for that. And the reason is they have invested their lives in you. You have become a part of them. Their world is not operated in a vacuum when you were born. Suddenly, I've got, I've got really big, important considerations that I love to think about because I love them so much. And, and your parents have been doing that for 16, 18, 20 years. That's not easy to stop being a parent. It's not easy. Maybe you're an adult child who is married and your parents still have a tendency to kind of stick their noses into your beeswax. I'm not sure where that saying came from. Freely, you just made it up. Understand there's a reason for it. And this pastor, okay, it happened to be my pastor, identified that parents have a challenge when their when their kids get married. And so they took a vow. Mom, dad, maybe you need to take that vow too. Maybe, just maybe, you would do well to analyze, are we really letting our kids be adults? Are we letting them be a family unit? A man shall leave his father and mother. They cleave. In other words, they cut off and then they stick together. That's the, that's the unit now. That's the covenant unit. Of course, you're always in a relationship with your kids. But the dynamic changes. Have, have, have you changed it? It's not easy. I'm telling you. Personally, I find it one of the most difficult things in the world. Because you just... You think you know better. <laughs> Most times you do. <laughs> That's the truth of it. But not always. And you need to remember that that little unit, which is covenanted together, is loved by God. And sometimes you just need to let them stumble. Purchase, purchase the wrong car. Let their kids maybe do something that you don't think is ideal. Got to let them be. Because otherwise... We're really intruding into a covenant where we don't have authority. And we know how annoying that is, don't we? When the government intrudes into the authority of the church, we don't like that. Well, kids are the same way. They don't like it when we intrude into their little covenant relationship. I, I can't recall if, if we mentioned this last week, perhaps, on Wretched Radio, Thinking about multi-generational homes. Jimmy, did we talk about that last week? Because uh, we, we used to. Glad you remember. We <laughs> used to, in our old neighborhood, we had multi-generational families. I think we did talk about this. Wow. Anybody else with short attention span issues? Yeah, maybe I was paying attention to somebody else. I can't, I can't imagine. <laughs> and, we, and, and people used to make fun of it. Oh, the cars out in the driveway. All those people coming and going all the time. And I thought, that's a beautiful thing, actually. And, and the reason I think that is because kids are such a part of the parent's life. And I would imagine that the dynamic inside of that unit, it needs to change also. 
because if you got grandparents, parents, and the kids, even in that lovely dynamic, I do believe there needs to be some leaving and cleaving, not just on the part of the kids, but on part of the parents who recognize they've left us. They've gone to another. And by the way, hasn't that kind of been your mission to get them to be living the gospel with somebody of the opposite gender? Isn't that what we want for our kids? Maybe just maybe today you need to take a vow and let your children be adults in a one flesh relationship that is a beautiful picture of the gospel. This is Wretched Radio. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Masters Academy International. Americans saved an average of 24% during Black Friday 2021, except those who shopped at Wretched.org because they saved 50%. And this year, we're going to be better than average again. During the 2022 Wretched Black Friday sale, you're going to save 50% again on Wretched products. Plus, yep, there's a plus. If you spend $50 or more, you'll get free shipping and a copy of Transformed Season 1. While supplies last, of course. Oh, and this sale isn't just for Black Friday. It just kicks off on Black Friday and will last through year's end. So I probably should not call it a Black Friday sale. What about the Wretched Better Than Average sale or the Wretched 50-50 sale? However you want to label it, just know you're going to save more money than the average American and get some free stuff too. Don't miss out. It's kicking off on Black Friday in the Wretched Store and Wretched.org. That's Wretched.org. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Names of God. 
We learn a lot about God from the names given to him in Scripture. The first name given to God is Elohim in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Elohim is a plural noun, but the verb created is singular. God is plural in personhood, but singular in being. The Creator God is the triune Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You are going to have a chance to practice what I'm about to preach. Friel, it sounds thrilling. This is Wretched Radio. Uh, Let me set the table and then see if you're willing to consume it. Don't know if you saw this in the Twitter sphere. I do not play there just because I'm not a techno guy. I know a lot of people do. I know that it can be beneficial. But wow. Can tweet wars ever disrupt quickly? And I don't know if you saw this one. I think it happened about three, four days ago. Oh, the way that one fellow was talking about another group of fellows. Oh, I mean, eyebrow singeing. Oh, and it was, by the way, it was it was over all of the, the, the critical theory business what's going on in the churches, et cetera, systemic racism, privilege, intersectionality, all of that. And I, I was sent it by a buddy of mine. And I just, I was dismayed at the way that this brother was talking about a brother. Just absolutely amazed. An article titled, Handling Our Differences Redemptively, Not Destructively. Look, there, there can be differences of opinion on theological issues. Nobody denies that. Can there be separation over theological issues? Absolutely there can be. But as we work through these issues, it still should be on an eye toward redemption. We want this to get better. We want their thinking to improve. We want them to be believing rightlier. That's right, rightlier. It's a word now. That's our desire, and it should drive, then, how we engage on these issues. From the article in Galatia, the debate over the relationship between God's law and God's grace got so intense, Paul had to warn the believers there about how their biting and devouring one another could lead to relational destruction among the churches in Galatia. Biting and devouring Now, this is the local church. This is the first century. I always think about the people who think, we just want to return to the first century church. Well, um, I think you've maybe got a little bit of a fantastic view of what it was actually like. was just reading this in my 78 hours of private quiet time the other night. I don't know how I got myself in the book of Acts, chapter 6. Remember in Acts chapter 2, we see a picture of the, of the local church, the early church, thriving, getting along with one another, sharing their stuff with one another, breaking bread with one another. By the time you get to Galatia, you've, you've got people who are, are biting and devouring what do we see in Corinth? You've got some people, we've got sectarianism, we've got little click land. And you've got some people who are doing communion or eating together without waiting for everybody else. Lovely. That's the first century church. So Acts chapter 2, 
It lays out about verses 42, 43, the means of growth and how the early church behaved. And they were all getting along and it was all super groovy. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the breaking of bread. They were eating together prayers and fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common sold their possessions and good, divided them up as anyone had need. That's not socialism. That's, that's called compassion, generosity, sharing voluntarily, continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Now, chapter 3, you know the story. A lame man is healed, preaching in Solomon's portico, Peter and John are arrested in chapter 4, so we're not seeing a lot of time advancing. We're spending a lot of time studying what was going on in a particular event with the disciples, healing people and being shut down. Hey, this is poignant. And being shut down by the authorities. This is the section of Scripture where we are given permission that there are those times and instances when we have to respectfully say to the government, no can do. We obey God, not man. And so that's Acts chapter 4. Prayer for boldness, sharing all things. Okay, there's chapter 4. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. That's chapter 4, verse 32. Verse Chapter 5, lying to the Holy Spirit. You've got Ananias and Sapphira. Continuing power in the church, verse 12. The imprisoned apostles, they're freed. They're on trial again. Gamaliel's advice. Then we get to chapter 6, which please note. It it's this is not a long separation. This is the story of Stephen. And this is the story of the early church and a disruption that took place. Now, in those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. So this is inside of the church. The Jewish believers were not behaving well toward the foreigners who were believers because their widows were neglected in their daily distribution. Boom! It is immediate in the early church. When people think about the early church, whether they're thinking about Philippi or Ephesus, no, this is like the earliest early church right there in Jerusalem. And what's happening immediately? Fighting. We should learn from that. There's a propensity to be brawlers, which is, which is really why those types of people are admonished. It's a great biblical word, factious, where, 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 you're, where you're not Ephesians 4 you You are not walking in the manner worthy in which you are called with all gentleness, humility, patience, Showing tolerance with one another for what purpose to not break the bond of peace that is in the spirit. And so the early church immediately was violating that, fighting, arguing. Now we look back and it's like, oh, those silly people. Well, we don't want we don't want to do an impression of them today. Now, again, there are times when division is indeed necessary. But we shouldn't be biting and devouring one another. Back to the article. The inference seems to be that both legalists and grace defenders joined in the verbal teardown. And we can be just as self-righteous about the gospel of grace as we can the non-gospel of legalism. 
In other words, we don't always speak truth in love. And we're acting no better than the, the Jewish believers in Acts chapter 6, the, the squabblers in 1 Corinthians, the dividers, the click people, or the people in Galatia. From the article, in the heat of a disagreement, sometimes our commitment to be right can undercut our calling to be kind. Paul reminds us that only God can reveal the truth of his word to the hearts of others. None of us is the fourth member of the Trinity. Boy, that's a good reminder, isn't it? We, we do tear down strongholds because we speak truth, but it's God that's got to do that work, isn't it? Isn't God the one who changes our thinking and grows us when we work synergistically with him? And so we don't get the job done when we speak truth to somebody. It's got to be God who does that. There's a lot of rest in that. I don't mind telling you. There's a lot of, okay, I don't have to be persuading everybody. You don't have to do it. You can't do it anyway. All you can do is be faithful. This is one of the bells that continues to get rung in our new TV series called Transformed. It is going to be amazing. I'm telling you, it's in the final rounds of editing right now. It's being presented to networks as we speak, and it'll start airing April 1st. We will have it available then, too, with a study guide so you can use it inside of your Sunday school, your youth group classes, to see how the Bible applies to emotional issues, sin issues, conflict issues. It's, it's, it's amazing. And one of the repeated phrases that Dr. Greg Gifford from the Masters University uses regularly is, you can't run the universe, I'm paraphrasing. God does. You can't control your children. You can't control people at church, your work, neighbors, any of it. You're not called to that job. That's God's. You're called to be faithful. Ah, and then you can leave the results to God because God is good. He is able. He is faithful and he is sovereign. So he's controlling everything. All we do as a Christian is act in a faithful manner to the job that he has given to us. Ah, isn't that a relief? So whatever it is that you're battling or what you're, whatever it is that you're wrestling with, you, you, you want to fix something or someone, good luck with that. No, just be faithful. Leave the results to God, knowing that his results are plan A. Whatever. Wait a second, though. They made the wrong decision and got in trouble. Yep, that was God's plan because he uses sin sinlessly because he's controlling and ordaining everything on his sovereign determination. We can rest in that, can't we? And perhaps when we engage with others in a disagreement, important issues, certainly, let's remember, I can't persuade anybody. I just need to be faithful. And faithfulness means absolutely speaking truth, but speaking it in love. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>